section thirty three of shirley by charlotte bronte this librivox recording is in the public domain martin's tactics it was necessary to the arrangement of martin's plan that he should stay at home that day accordingly he found no appetite for breakfast and just about school-time took a severe pain about his heart which rendered it advisable that instead of setting out to the grammar school with mark he should succeed to his father's armchair by the fireside and also to his morning paper this point being satisfactorily settled and mark being gone to mr summer's class and matthew and mr yorke withdrawn to the counting-house three other exploits nay four remained to be achieved the first of these was to realize the breakfast he had not yet tasted and with which his appetite of fifteen could ill afford to dispense the second third fourth to get his mother miss moore and mrs horsfall successfully out of the way before four o'clock that afternoon the first was for the present most pressing since the work before him demanded an amount of energy which the present empty condition of his youthful stomach did not seem likely to supply martin knew the way to the larder and knowing this way he took it the servants were in the kitchen breakfasting solemnly with closed doors his mother and miss moore were airing themselves on the lawn and discussing the closed doors aforesaid martin safe in the larder made fastidious selection from its stores his breakfast had been delayed he was determined it should be recherche it appeared to him that a variety on his usual somewhat insipid fare of bread and milk was both desirable and advisable the savoury and the salutary he thought might be combined there was store of rosy apples laid in straw upon a shelf he picked out three there was pastry upon a dish he selected an apricot puff and a damson tart on the plain household bread his eye did not dwell but he surveyed with favour some current tea cakes and condescended to make choice of one thanks to his clasp-knife he was able to appropriate a wing of fowl and a slice of ham a cantlet of cold custard pudding he thought would harmonize with these articles and having made this final addition to his booty he at length sallied forth into the hall he was already halfway across three steps more would have anchored him in the harbour of the back parlour when the front door opened and there stood matthew better far had it been the old gentleman in full equipage of horns hoofs and tail matthew sceptic and scoffer had already failed to subscribe a prompt belief in that pain about the heart he had muttered some words amongst which the phrase shamming abraham had been very distinctly audible and the succession to the armchair and newspaper had appeared to affect him with mental spasms the spectacle now before him the apples the tarts the tea-cakes the fowl ham and pudding offered evidence but too 
well calculated to inflate his opinion of his own sagacity martin paused interdit one minute one instant the next he knew his ground and pronounced all well with the true perspicacity des homme elite he at once saw how this at first sight untoward event might be turned to excellent account he saw how it might be so handled as to secure the accomplishment of his second task namely the disposal of his mother he knew that a collision between him and matthew always suggested to mrs york the propriety of a fit of hysterics he further knew that on the principle of calm succeeding to storm after a morning of hysterics his mother was sure to indulge in an afternoon of bed this would accommodate him perfectly the collision duly took place in the hall a dry laugh an insulting sneer a contemptuous taunt met by a nonchalant but most cutting reply were the signals they rushed at it martin who usually made little noise on these occasions made a great deal now in flew the servants mrs york miss moore no female hand could separate them mr york was summoned sons said he one of you must leave my roof if this occurs again i will have no cain and abel strife here martin now allowed himself to be taken off he had been hurt he was the youngest and slightest he was quite cool in no passion he even smiled content that the most difficult part of the labour he had set himself was over once he seemed to flag in the course of the morning it is not worth while to bother myself for that caroline he remarked but a quarter of an hour afterwards he was again in the dining-room looking at the head with dishevelled tresses and eyes turbid with despair yes he said i made her sob shudder almost faint i'll see her smile before i've done with her besides i want to outwit all these womenites directly after dinner mrs york fulfilled her son's calculation by withdrawing to her chamber now for hortense that lady was just comfortably settled to stocking mending in the back parlour when martin laying down a book which stretched on the sofa he was still indisposed according to his own account he had been perusing in all the voluptuous ease of a yet callow pasha lazily introduced some discourse about sarah the maid at the hollow in the course of much verbal meandering he insinuated information that this damsel was said to have three suitors frederick murgatroyd jeremiah pighills and john of malley's of hannah's of deb's and that miss mann had affirmed she knew for a fact that now the girl was left in sole charge of the cottage she often had her swains to meals and entertained them with the best the house afforded it needed no more hortense could not have lived another hour without betaking herself to the scene of these nefarious transactions and inspecting the state of matters in person mrs horsfall remained martin master of the field now extracted from his mother's work-basket a bunch of keys with these he opened the sideboard cupboard produced thence a black bottle and a small glass placed them on the table nimbly mounted the stairs made for mr moore's door tapped the nurse opened if you please ma'am you are invited to step into the back parlour to take some refreshment 
you will not be disturbed the family are out he watched her down he watched her in himself shut the door he knew she was safe the hard work was done now for the pleasure he snatched his cap and away for the wood it was yet but half-past three it had been a fine morning but the sky looked dark now it was beginning to snow the wind blew cold the wood looked dismal the old tree grim yet martin approved the shadow on his path he found a charm in the spectral aspect of the dotted oak he had to wait to and fro he walked while the flakes fell faster and the wind which at first had but moaned pitifully howled she is long in coming he muttered as he glanced along the narrow track i wonder he subjoined what i wish to see her so much for she is not coming for me but i have power over her and i want her to come that i may use that power he continued his walk now he resumed when a further period had elapsed if she fails to come i shall hate and scorn her it struck four he heard the church clock far away a step so quick so light that but for the rustling of leaves it would scarcely have sounded on the wood walk checked his impatience the wind blew fiercely now and the thickening white storm waxed bewildering but on she came and not dismayed well martin she said eagerly how is he it is queer how she thinks of him reflected martin the blinding snow and bitter cold are nothing to her i believe yet she is but a chitty-faced creature as my mother would say i could find in my heart to wish i had a cloak to wrap her in thus meditating to himself he neglected to answer miss hellstone you have seen him no oh you promised you would i mean to do better by you than that didn't i say i don't care to see him but now it will be so long before i get to know anything certain about him and i'm sick of waiting martin do see him and give him caroline hellstone's regards and say she wished to know how he was and if anything could be done for his comfort i won't you are changed you were so friendly last night come we must not stand in this wood it is too cold but before i go promise me to come to again to-morrow with news no such thing i am much too delicate to make and keep such appointments in the winter season if you knew what a pain i had in my chest this morning and how i went without breakfast and was knocked down besides you'd feel the impropriety of bringing me here in the snow come i say are you really delicate martin don't i look so you have rosy cheeks that's hectic will you come or you won't where with me i was a fool not to bring a cloak i would have made you cosy you are going home my nearest road lies in the opposite direction put your arm through mine i'll take care of you but the wall the hedge it is such hard work climbing and you are too slender and young to help me without hurting yourself you shall go through the gate but 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 will you trust me or not she looked into his face i think i will anything rather than return as anxious as i came i can't answer for that this however i promise you be ruled by me and you shall see more yourself see him myself yourself but dear martin does he know ah uh, i'm dear now no he doesn't know and your mother and the others all is right caroline fell into a long silent fit of musing but still she walked on with her guide they came in sight of briarmains have you made up your mind he asked she was silent decide we are just on the spot i won't see him that i tell you except to announce your arrival martin you are a strange boy and this is a strange step but all i feel is and has been for a long time strange i will see him 
having said that you will neither hesitate nor retract no here we are then do not be afraid of passing the parlour window no one will see you my father and matthew are at the mill mark is at school the servants are in the back kitchen miss moore is at the cottage my mother is in her bed and mrs horsfall in paradise observe i need not ring i open the door the hall is empty the staircase quiet so is the gallery the whole house and all its inhabitants are under a spell which i will not break till you are gone martin i trust you you never said a better word let me take your shawl i will shake off the snow and dry it for you you are cold and wet never mind there's a fire upstairs are you ready yes follow me he left his shoes on the mat mounted the stair unshod caroline stole after with noiseless step there was a gallery and there was a passage at the end of that passage martin paused before a door and tapped he had to tap twice thrice a voice known to one listener at last said come in the boy entered briskly mr moore a lady called to inquire after you none of the women were about it is washing day and the maids are over the crown of the head and soapsuds in the back kitchen so i asked her to step up up here sir up here sir but if you object she shall go down again is this a place or am i a person to bring a lady to you absurd lad no so i'll take her off martin you will stay here who is she your grandmother from that chateau on the shelf miss moore talks about martin said the softest whisper at the door don't be foolish is she there inquired moore hastily he had caught an imperfect sound she is there fit to faint she is standing on the mat shocked at your want of filial affection martin you are an evil cross between an imp and a page what is she like more like me than you for she is young and beautiful you are to show her forward do you hear come miss caroline miss caroline repeated moore and when miss caroline entered she was encountered in the middle of the chamber by a tall thin wasted figure who took both her hands i give you a quarter of an hour said martin as he withdrew no more say what you have to say in that time till it is past i will wait in the gallery nothing shall approach i'll see you safe away should you persist in staying longer i leave you to your fate he shut the door in the gallery he was as elate as a king he had never been engaged in an adventure he liked so well for no adventure had ever invested him with so much importance or inspired him with so much interest you are come at last said the meeker man gazing on his visitress with hollow eyes did you expect me before for a month near two months we have been very near and i have been in sad pain and danger and misery carry i could not come couldn't you but the rectory and briarmains are very near not two miles apart there was pain and there was pleasure in the girl's face as she listened to these implied reproaches it was sweet it was bitter to defend herself when i say i could not come i mean i could not see you for i came with mamma the very day we heard what had happened mr mcturk then told us it was impossible to admit any stranger but afterwards every fine afternoon these many weeks passed i've waited and listened something here carrie laying his hand on his breast told me it was impossible but that you should think of me not that i merit thought but we are our old acquaintance we are cousins i came again robert mamma and i came again did you come that is worth hearing since you came again we will sit down and talk about it they sat down caroline drew her chair up to his the air was now dark with snow an iceland blast was driving it wildly this pair neither heard the long weathering rush nor saw the white burden it drifted each seemed conscious but of one thing 
the presence of the other so mamma and you came again and mrs yorke did treat us strangely we asked to see you no said she not in my house i am at present responsible for his life it shall not be forfeited for half an hour's idle gossip but i must not tell you all she said it was very disagreeable however we came yet again mamma miss gildar and i this time we thought we should conquer as we were three against one and shirley was on our side but mrs yorke opened such a battery morris smiled what did she say things that astonished us shirley laughed at last i cried mamma was seriously annoyed we were all three driven from the field since that time i have only walked once a day past the house just for the satisfaction of looking up at your window which i could distinguish by the drawn curtains i really dared not come in i have wished for you caroline i did not know that i never dreamt one instant that you thought of me if i had but most distantly imagined such a possibility mrs yorke would still have beaten you she would not stratagem should have been tried if persuasion failed i would have come to the kitchen door the servants should have let me in and i would have walked straight upstairs in fact it was far more the fear of intrusion the fear of yourself that baffled me than the fear of mrs yorke only last night i despaired of ever seeing you again weakness has wrought terrible depression in me terrible depression and you sit alone worse than alone but you must be getting better since you can leave your bed i doubt whether i shall live i see nothing for it after such exhaustion but decline you you shall go home to the hollow dreariness would accompany nothing cheerful come near me i will alter this this shall be altered were there ten mrs yorks to do battle with carry you make me smile do smile smile again shall i tell you what i should like tell me anything only keep talking i am saul but for music i should perish i should like you to be brought to the rectory and given to me and mamma a precious gift i have not laughed since they shot me till now do you suffer pain robert not so much pain now but i am hopelessly weak and the state of my mind is inexpressible dark barren impotent do you not read at all in my face i look a mere ghost altered yet i should have known you anywhere but i understand your feelings i experienced something like it since we met i too have been very ill very ill i thought i should die the tale of my life seemed told every night just at midnight i used to wake from awful dreams and the book lay open before me at the last page where was written Fini. i had strange feelings you speak my experience i believed i should never see you again and i grew so thin as thin as you are now i could do nothing for myself neither rise nor lie down and i could not eat yet you see i am better comforter sad as sweet i am too feeble to say what i feel but while you speak i do feel here i am at your side where i thought never more to be here i speak to you i see you listen to me willingly look at me kindly did i count on that i despaired more sighed a sigh so deep it was nearly a groan he covered his eyes with his hand may i be spared to make some atonement such was his prayer and for what we will not touch on it now carrie unmanned as i am i have not the power to cope with such a topic was mrs pryor with you during your illness yes caroline smiled brightly you know she is mamma i have heard hortense told me but that tale too i will receive from yourself does she add to your happiness what mamma she is dear to me how dear i cannot say i was altogether weary and she held me up i deserve to hear that in a moment when i can scarce lift my hand to my head i deserve it it is no reproach against you it is a coal of fire heaped on my head and so is every word you address to me and every look that lights your sweet face come still nearer lena and give me your hand if my thin fingers do not scare you 
she took those thin fingers between her two little hands she bent her head et les effleura de ses lèvres i put that in french because the word effleure is an exquisite word moore was much moved a large tear or two coursed down his hollow cheek i'll keep these things in my heart carrie that kiss i will put by and you shall hear of it again one day come out cried martin opening the door come away you have had twenty minutes instead of a quarter of an hour she will not stir yet you hempseed i dare not stay longer robert can you promise to return no she can't responded martin the thing mustn't become customary i can't be troubled it's very well for once i'll not have it repeated you'll not have it repeated hush don't vex him we could not have met to-day but for him but i will come again if it is your wish that i should come it is my wish my one wish almost the only wish i can feel come this minute my mother has coughed got up set her feet on the floor let her only catch you on the stairs miss caroline you are not to bid him good-bye stepping between her and moore you are to march my shawl martin i have it i'll put it on for you when you are in the hall he made them part he would suffer no farewell but what could be expressed in looks he half carried caroline down the stairs in the hall he wrapped her shawl round her and but that his mother's tread then creaked in the gallery and but that a sentiment of diffidence the proper natural therefore the noble impulse of his boy's heart held him back he would have claimed his reward he would have said now miss caroline for all this give me one kiss but ere the words had passed his lips she was across the snowy road rather skimming than waiting the drifts she is my debtor and i will be paid he flattered himself that it was opportunity not audacity which had failed him he misjudged the quality of his own nature and held it for something lower than it was End of chapter thirty three